Welcome to the Fatherhood Challenge program. The Fatherhood Challenge is a movement to awaken and inspire fathers everywhere to take great pride in their role and to challenge society to understand how important fathers are to the stability of an environment and culture. We're going to encourage and challenge each other to step up and do courageous things that make our families and communities better places. So let's get to it. Greetings, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. We wrapped up part one of Trouble Kids Are Grieving Kids in the previous episode. So we're going to go ahead and continue on with part two. So I thought you mentioned earlier, if I understood correctly, when that happens and your your brain and your body is trying to tell you, I can't take anymore. Mm-hmm. Is that your cue to step back and provide that space for your body to or your brain to adjust to that? What does that what does that look like? Well, there is there is six needs of a of a mourner. And I'm not going to be able to go through all of them right now. But number one need of a mourner is to come to the reality of the death. Now, it may take six months. It may take a year. It may even take year two for a person to come to that reality. But you need to do some rituals that will help you come to the reality that this thing is real. And the memorial service is one of those things where uh, you have in the funeral and you, if you have adolescents, they give them a part, give them an opportunity to say something about their loved one. Don't try to protect them because they grieve as well. And there are, there are programs within the community, uh, most of the hospice programs, where they can get free bereavement counseling if you just call the hospice program and ask for bereavement counseling for your child. That's helpful. But at the memorial service, give them an opportunity to talk about uh, the person that died and their relationship with them, because now they're mourning. Mourning is allowing yourself to publicly express how you feel inside. Grief is how we feel inside when we lose someone or something. Mourning is how we express that, telling a story about how that person interacted with you in life. Maybe something funny, it may not be something, it may be something serious. But sharing those stories uh, at the funeral, at the memorial service, they call it the celebration of life. That is where you go back into the darkness, which is the past, and you pull up all of those precious memories that you had with that person, and you are celebrating your history and investment because you had a relationship with them. If you didn't have a relationship with them, you wouldn't be, you would not even grieve because number one, you don't have a relationship. What's to pull from? If you had a dad who was never around, somebody came up to you, you're 40 years old or 20 years old, and someone came up to you and say, you know, your dad just got killed in a car accident, but you, you, you don't have no history with him. You have no investment, got nothing to pull from. No sadness is coming because you don't know the man. But let that be the dad who put his arms around you, who was there to support you, who encouraged you along the way. 
who was at all of your activities. When he dies, it's painful. One thing I really love about celebration of life memorials Mm -hmm. is because it brings the community into the grieving process. So you have your memories of that person, and then you have this opportunity to share those memories with everyone else who knew that same person, but they have their own memories too, that they share. And when they do that, it adds so much to it. Uh, I can recall when, when I lost my, my mother Mm -hmm. and we had a gravesite service for the burial Mm -hmm. that was really that it was a celebration of life event. And hearing everyone's stories, everyone's testimonies of how she impacted their lives started a healing process in me that wasn't there before. So there's something about this community uh, grieving aspect where we share in each other's grief. There's something very healing in that. Mm-hmm. And you, you're correct. And, and that's why when you are dealing with grief, if you ever wanted to find out how Jesus dealt with grief, read Luke chapter 24. It talks about how he dealt with grief. But even more important than how he dealt with grief, it, it talks about, the Bible also talks about some of the things that we need to be able to do so that it will help us to deal with the grief. Jesus said these words, the scriptures not say he must suffer these things. Did not the scriptures say that he must suffer these things? That tells me something about even Christianity itself. Life, so to speak, as a Christian or any other faith tradition, um, whatever religion people have, Buddhism, Hinduism, it's not about what you say. It's about what you do and how you live. The story of the Good Samaritan is a prime example of that. A lawyer came to Jesus, asked him a simple question. Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How readest thou? In essence, you're a lawyer. Tell me what you understand. And He said, you should love God with all your heart and all your strength and with all your soul and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you have answered right. This do and thou shall live. In essence, you got it in your head. Now live it. What we are talking about is how that person lived in grief. When we're celebrating their life, we are talking about how they lived how they interacted with us. In that process, we are not saying that the person is is a Christian because they call themselves a Christian. We are able to see how they lived and how they interact with people. And it helps us to celebrate their lives. Yeah, a person that in their actions and in their deeds... Mm-hmm. did amazing things. And even in small deeds, when we celebrate those things, it turns what is normally just a sad event. We turn it into a testimony and we turn it into uh, an actual example of, of living, of good living. And it's an open testimony for everyone else. 
as well. So there is so much benefit in that. And I think about it outside of just the death context to grieving other things in your life that might have happened. Uh, you mentioned the job loss. You mentioned, we also talked about even things like the grief cycle that kids might go to where they act out and they're rebelling because there's a home that's fallen apart around them. Mm -hmm. So how do we apply it in that instance? We can do a celebration of life uh -huh. to help with the grief and manage the grief when there is death. But when, let's say, example, for a child, they're grieving the destabilization of their home, like their home has fallen apart. Their parents may be separating or their parents may be getting a divorce. Mm -hmm. And you look at something like that and it doesn't feel like there's much to even celebrate there. And it doesn't feel like there's anything stable to stand on. And there certainly isn't a good example that can be obviously seen for that child to follow. What happens there? Well, uh, again, um, it's important to have that child go and get some bereavement counseling. And just like grief, just like um, you do with the um, traumatic grief or any other grief, that child is able to talk about those, how they are feeling, what, what feelings they have relating to dad not being in the home. And they are able to talk about, um, because sometimes kids believe that dad is not here because of something I said, or mom and dad are not together and it might, might be my fault. Um, if you give them an opportunity to talk, uh, whether it's with the parent that they're with or with the parent that they are missing. Give them an opportunity to talk about their feelings. Give them an opportunity to express themselves and then make uh, precious memories together in an independent setting. Now, the household has been um, separated. You've been, you know, the family is separated now, but you can start new memories. And, but you don't ignore the child's grief. You need to allow them to talk about it, to share. Now, it's, it's, it's notable to also remember that the, the adult is grieving as well. But most people, we overlook the children. We don't think about how the pain is of this divorce the pain of this separation is hurting the child. We need to get them in a place where they can feel comfortable memorializing, talking about, and sharing their their experiences, whether it's talking about when when dad used to come to the basketball games or when he used to come to choir rehearsal with with the young lady or come to her cheerleading sessions, just give them, give them an opportunity to share what's valuable to them and help them to find meaning and purpose in their new identity. So who, who am I now that dad is out of the house? Am I still his son? Is mom still my mother? Uh, why, 
Why aren't they together? How do I feel about it? Dad gives me a chance to talk about it. Mom gives me a chance to talk about it. And it helps me from being, it helps me um, get some of the, the emotions out and not bottle them up so that I can later become a, a, a troublesome person and in relationships be uh, angry and take it out on my new spouse or my girlfriend or whatever this situation is in the future. I have to learn, if necessary, how to forgive. And, and that's not an easy thing. But again, the, the Bible teaches us even about forgiveness and how important it is. Um, in forgiveness, we have to learn how to forgive people who have hurt us in the past because it's a gift to ourselves and to our future relationships. If we don't forgive, it's like drinking poison and hoping that someone else will die. And that is a prime time for a dad to model what that forgiveness looks like in the heat of when things are at their worst. That child is learning what that looks like within their own life and they see the result of peace that happens in whatever goes on in their life, in their world probably makes it a lot easier for them to understand and, and process forgiveness as well. Mm -hmm. That's true. Cause we, we get a chance to model it. And that's what Jesus was doing when he was here on earth. He was modeling the character of the father. And he was saying, when you see me, you should see the father. And, and really, and truly as Christians, when people see us, they, we shouldn't have to tell them we're a Christian. They need to be able to see that we are a Christian. And that's what, in Matthew 11, Jesus did that. Uh, John the Baptist is in prison, and he sends his disciples to Jesus and say, ask him, is he the, the, the one or should we look for another? And Jesus didn't answer. He didn't say, go tell him I'm the, I'm the Messiah. He simply let the disciples hang out with him. They watched him heal the man, the young man that was dead, raise him from the dead. They watched him heal the blind man. They watched him heal the lame man. They watched all of these things. And then Jesus said, go tell him what you saw and what you heard. In essence, I'm not going to tell you I'm, a, I'm the Messiah. I'm living it. So as a Christian, as a father, as a mother, we have to live it so that the children can see it. I hope you're enjoying the program and getting value out of it. It's a labor of love and faith supported by listeners like you. Please consider donating by visiting thefatherhoodchallenge.com and clicking in the upper right corner and clicking on donate. Another way you can support this program is by sharing it with anyone who would appreciate it. Thank you for listening. I like how you worded that because Jesus spent a lot of time walking with and alongside his disciples. And we see what's in scripture 
Mm-hmm. And you can sum up in a few chapters what would have taken place possibly in years, but everything is just really compacted within the chapters of scripture. So we have to use our imagination a little bit to try to comprehend just exactly how much time Jesus was spending around his disciples and how much time there really was to witness the way he lived and and learned that way. And it's a perfect parallel to what dads are supposed to be doing, which is interesting because it matches up with this whole idea that, that we are created in the image of God. And it makes me wonder if that parallels the role of fatherhood as well. It, it does. And that is, that is the reason why the Bible tells us, be ye mature like your father, which is in heaven is mature. Now, if we, we leave it at perfect, uh, we can't understand that. A child can't understand perfection in that sense. Uh, but when we say mature, uh, we can go back up in those passages and see that Jesus is talking to his disciples and he says that you have heard, you know, that you should love your neighbor and hate your enemy and all of these things. But I say unto you, you should love your neighbor and then pray for those who despitefully use you and abuse you. Say, what difference does it make if you love the people who love you, even the sinners or the Republicans, he says, publicans do do that. But he says, but your father, which is in heaven, causes the sun to shine on the just and on the unjust. He causes the rain to fall on the good and on the evil. These texts let us know that the mature thing that a child should come in in Christianity should come to a place where we can get on a cross and our enemies are killing us and we can say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Hmm. Because he not only preached this, he actually lived it and modeled it. That's right. The same way dads are called to do. That's right. And that even means, and I'm taking this maybe to a different level, and I don't know if it's supposed Mm -hmm. to go there or not, but it Mm -hmm. makes me also wonder if there is meant to be this maturity in grief in the way we deal with grief as well and having that maturity and dealing with grief for the sake and the stability of, of the children as well. Yes. In, in, in our abilities to be open and honest with our kids and to cry and let them see us cry because we love the person and hear us tell the stories of how uh, that person interacted in our lives and it lifts them up too. Man who is married to his wife for 66 years is grieving. And you ask him, how did you meet your wife? And man, he tells the story of how he was in PE 66 years ago. Wife comes in with these white bloomers down to his ankles, her ankles. And he, he sees her and he says, man, that's going to be my wife. And he's smiling. He's not crying now because he's talking about his history and his investment. He's talking about those 66 years and how they got started. 
that's why when we share the stories of Christ of Christ and how he modeled for us the oneness with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And then he tells us, uh, he shows us that his body was not his body. His body was his father's body. He came to die on a cross and he gave his whole body as a living testimony of his love for his father and his people. We, as married families, married couples, have to come to a place of that same oneness, understanding that the husband's body is not his body, but it's his wife, that the wife's body is not her body, but it's her husband's. When we understand that we were bought with a price by Jesus who died on the cross, when we understand these that oneness that brings us together and gives us the the ability to give an inheritance to our children. Yeah, that is the real maturity that I see there. And it is also providing a framework underneath of stability of a platform for dealing with grief. Because, you know, you add the aspect of perfection in the divinity, which is the Mm -hmm. part that we don't have. Mm -hmm. So when things go wrong, which, you know, in my case, and I've, I've told this before, you know, I can go back into the generation line and see where things went wrong. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was one of my grandparents when he fell on hard times and he went to reach for a salve, something to to make some of the pain go away, to ease it a little bit. Mm-hmm. He reached for a bottle. Okay. And the one thing he should have been doing was reaching for his heavenly father for stability. Amen. And that would have completely changed the family tree. It would have changed so many things. It would have changed what his kids witnessed and the example that they saw and that that what they learned from. It would have gone all the way down and made things so much easier. So that is, to me, an example, one of the examples of being mature in grief. And in this case, it was the grief of a job loss, but I can see where there are so many areas where this maturity is absolutely imperative to the stability of not only your child, but the imperative, but the stability of future generations as well. Amen. Yep. And you, you, you hit it on the head. You have to have to be able to allow yourself to be a, a part of the healing process by uh, living it in front of your kids. And that's what Solomon says. That's what the scriptures teaches. Uh, it's a lot of people who call themselves a Christian, but when it comes down to living it, um, Matthew 25 he says, when I was hungry, you either fed me or you didn't. Uh, you, when I was thirsty, you either gave me something to drink or you didn't. In essence, you are either living it or you're not. What advice or what challenge, final words of, of wisdom or challenge do you have for the dads listening now? I would have this challenge. 
uh, to dads listening now is to allow yourself to not look for your salvation in you, but trust that God will give you what you need to be a good father. Solomon in Second Chronicles chapter, chapter 1, God asked Solomon one, one thing. He says, you can ask me one thing, whatever it is, I'll give it to you. And Solomon said, give me the wisdom to do the job of, the, of being a king because you have anointed me to be the king. Now give me the wisdom to be a king that can deal with your people in a, in a just and righteous way. He asked God to give him the ability or the wisdom to do the job that God has called him to do. So I would say this to fathers, if you, and when you pray, you should pray, God, give me the wisdom to be the father that you have called me to be. Solomon asked God not for riches, and God said, okay, since you didn't ask for length of life, since you didn't ask for your enemy's death, since you didn't ask for more, more uh, wealth, he says, I'm going to add all of these things to it because you asked for wisdom to do my will. Now, we either do God's will or we do our own will. And so if we ask God, now that you've given me these children, Give me the wisdom to be a good father. Wow. Thank you so much for everything that you shared, for helping us understand the role that God plays in grief and in providing stability within our lives when things get shaken up. This was absolutely essential. So thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time and everything that you've shared. It, it really meant a lot. And to the audience listening as well, thank you so much for being here and for joining me. And uh, may God bless you richly. Thank you. If you enjoyed the episode and receive value from it, there are three ways you can support the program. You can donate by visiting thefatherhoodchallenge.com and clicking in the upper right corner and clicking on donate. Thefatherhoodchallenge.com also has a store where you can find great gift ideas for others or yourself while helping to spread the word about this movement. Word of mouth and sharing through social media also helps make others aware of this program. Any way you're able to support the Fatherhood Challenge is appreciated. Thank you for listening.